Thank you for joining us wherever you are. This podcast episode is brought to you by the Old Ways Actual Play Team. This actual play uses the 7th edition Call of Cthulhu tabletop role-playing game rules by Chaosium. This actual play is performed by adults and in an adult setting. While we try very hard to stick to language for all ages, listeners should know that this podcast may include mature themes. All content, including names, places, events, companies, and etc. that may bear resemblance to entities living or dead, is strictly coincidental. My name is Michael Diamond, and for tonight's game, I will be your keeper. Thank you for joining us in another episode of the Old Ways Podcast. I'm your keeper, Keeper Michael, and we welcome you back into Horror on the Orient Express. We are currently still in Paris, where we are uh, about to have a wonderful day trip to a local asylum. Uh, Before we get to that, though, I'd like you to introduce you to our wonderful cast. To my right. Hello, I'm Mike, and I'm playing James the Knife Fraser. (laughs) To his right. Hi, I'm Raina, and I'm playing Lady Elizabeth Fitzroy, and I'm voluntarily about to go back into an asylum. Not a bad idea. At the end of the table. Hi, this is Giles, and I'm playing Simon the Fist Griffiths. Very well. Scalpel and fist present. <laughs> to, uh, to the fists, right? Uh, hi, I'm Miranda, and I'm playing Maggie Bellinger, who just really wants to save Paul. You know, don't we all? Don't we all? Maybe I don't, actually. Uh, and last but most certainly not least. I'm Martin, and I'm playing Richard Courtney. And, uh, yeah, maybe we can sort of build up a, an entourage of followers here. You know, I think you're well on your way, if you really think about it. If you really think about it. I mean, it's not like you don't have jobs for them. There's all sorts of things they could do. So we'll open our scene in uh, in Paris the morning of, early morning, say, probably just... Just getting on close to uh, 6 a.m. Several of you have uh, took in some libations uh, late last night, although not enough to where you're uh, at all prevented from meeting that early, chill Parisian morning with a swift smile and proper attire. Uh, The schedule for today shows you meeting Paul at uh, Charrington Asylum just about 7 sharp. You notice something very specific as you set out into uh, the morning, that there is a bit of a fog that clings in the air here. Paris streets for the past several days have been clear. Maybe a bit cool, but clear. And today, it maybe is a skosh warmer. seems to produce a a near near London-like fog in some of the areas. Uh, what method would you be using to get back to uh, Charrington? Would it be taxi or would you walk the distance? It is some considerable distance away. I'm taking a taxi because I'm feeling a little fatigued after all the gallivanting about Paris we've been doing for the last few days. So as little walking as possible. <laughs> makes good sense. Uh, Mr. Fraser, you uh, have the hotel staff flag you a auto so that way the uh, group can be taken down to their uh, destination. Sure, yep. And so, even the car, as it meanders through the Paris streets, you can tell the driver's being uh, a a little careful. Uh, You pick up on that, uh, Mr. Griffith, that uh, the driver seems to be 
is paying very close attention to some of these corners. And it is unlike uh, this, like something you've seen uh, recently at all. Uh, I um, ask the, the driver in French, this is a strange weather we're having. Is this normal, monsieur? He, he shakes his head and uh, kind of steadies his hat on the somewhat balding head. No, no, uh, this is... Uh, I don't know, it's coming from nowhere. It's a little strange. But uh, I see you're taking the road very carefully. Thank you. I'm always careful with my uh, with my passengers. Quite interesting. Thank you. I sort of look at everyone else. Well, I don't quite like it when strange things happen when we're around. Did you discover any more bodies, uh, Miss Bellinger and Professor? Saying this in English. Not that I can recall. Uh, hmm. Not as such. Well, perhaps it's just a case of bad weather, but... Uh, the driver says it's not it's not normal, it's not common, it's very strange. So, considering how many strange things have been happening lately when we're about, just be careful, I suppose. Lady Elizabeth, you're not one to be thrown off by a, a little bit of weather, are you? She raises an eyebrow. I never said thrown off, now did I? saying be a bit more careful it's easier for people to go missing in the fog or to for things to sneak up on you how bad is the fog uh, to be honest uh, miss Fraser, it is uh it's considerable your viewing distance is probably 10 to 15 feet on the road i mean it, it's equivalent thick. to a kind of a pea super in in london yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's not not that we're not used to this kind of weather but it's a bit strange to have it here it, in Paris at this time. Really, what unnerves you about it is not that you're not used to it, because obviously growing up in, in where you've been and where you've worked, it is something you've, you've gotten accustomed to. It's the Parisians which are not accustomed to it, and they are some... You can tell there's definitely less traffic on the street. Uh, there's less of a, of a mill around in the streets as far as people on foot. Paris has gone a bit muted, I'm going to keep my eyes peeled because I'm put in mind of the fact that we had strange weather when we were on the ferry across and uh, there was a rather unpleasant incident. Richard, make me a spot hidden roll. Uh, so Richard has rolled a 39, which under 60 is a normal success. Okay, you pass the Louvre. Uh, having left uh, Bristol Hotel, you're just making your way down toward Charrington. And as you continue past the, the Louvre, there's a bit of a change in speed of the audio as it prepares to slow down, just to make sure that it isn't creeping up too closely to one of the other vehicles. And you'd swear as you pass a line of these trees that are on the boulevard, you'd swear you see Guillaume standing next to a tree hidden a bit by the fog and as the auto passes your face turns to track him and he acknowledges that he's seen you just in the briefest of nod Maggie Maggie is is that Guillaume in the fog Guillaume 
What is he doing out here? I don't know. Is this a friend of yours? Um, yes, we found him in the catacombs. He had, uh... Uh, you, you found him? He had somehow gotten, um, found himself trapped down there. Uh, we let him out. Should we stop for him? I hate to leave him out here in the fog. I do hope he managed to get himself something to eat. Yes, he did look quite famished. <laughs> <laughs> well, should we should we stop for him, do you think, Richard? Would perhaps be good to see how he's doing. Yes, he did seem rather um, out of sorts the other day. Are we all in the same cab? Yep. Oh, okay. Well, you you uh, wouldn't wouldn't mind just briefly for us to to stop. If you're gonna have him stop, you're gonna have to do it a little quicker than that because he's okay. continuing yeah. down the path. Got it. Uh, uh, driver, could you could you pull over for for a moment? Huh? Uh, yes. Uh, uh, the auto makes a very sharp right into the the curb. Well, be just a moment. Um, I don't know if I want to get out of the car or just like roll down the window and shout to him. Yeah. Um. It would be impolite to shout, um, and Richard gets the door. Okay. Uh, and so Maggie will get out and, and start to approach Guillaume. And I say in French to the cab driver, uh, my apologies for their behavior. The young lady is American. <laughs> <laughs> you see him um, look at you a bit quizzically and then kind of put his palm goes he goes palms up like what 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 is one to do I'd, I'd like to roll to see if i understand what she says um do you have french oh yes yeah you should roll totally <laughs> so the two of you uh, pick your way back down the streets towards where you saw guillaume and the fog yes. is pretty thick so mm -hmm. the driver was definitely far more than 15 feet yeah um you pick your way back down the boulevard, the planters, the trees, the benches, and you get to where you think Guillaume was. Mm -hmm. And you don't see him there. What you do see in this planter that has a large uh, tree inside of it, you see a single gleaming white femur. Human or? Definitely. Okay. <laughs> Just check. Oh, oh, uh, Richard. Uh, what is this? Is that a is that a human bone? Is that a human femur? I'm my biology isn't fantastic. It certainly looks like a bone of some description. Um, does it have this... like blood and stuff on it, or is it just a, a nice no, it's, clean one? It's very very clean. In fact, Professor, it is nearly medically clean. There's no sinew, there's no cartilage, there's no associated anything on it. It almost reminds you of a bone, bones like you saw down in the catacombs. Except that this one has been thoroughly cleaned. Does it look more fresh? It does look fresher. Hmm. so strange. I, I certainly hope nothing bad has befallen Guillaume. Oh, indeed. Um... I'm sure he'd still be here if he was missing Guillaume? a bone. You call out for him. Are you there? Madame. You hear the voice from below you. Maggie startles. So at your feet, there uh -huh. is a sewer grate. Okay, nearby. I thought it was the bone talking. No. <laughs> oh, Guillaume, what are you doing down there? You, have you found yourself trapped again? No, it is safer for me here. 
than on the streets of Paris. It's with the fog and the darkness down there. It's very difficult to tell what he's got going on. I mean, you see his eyes for sure, and and the ridges of, uh, you know, the sides of his face a little bit, and and uh, maybe a, a brief bit of his uh, lower face area. But you don't, you can't see the, the his entire face. Guillaume, are, are you okay? Are you hurt or anything? Did you? We were worried about you. We thought we'd check on you when we saw you. Yes. I am perfectly fine. There's um, a rustling down in that area. You hear something moving about around a bit. Uh, Guillaume, is there someone else down there with you? Something? No, no. There's nothing down here. You can hear like a, a strain in his voice. I just... I saw you too, and I wanted to say thank you. Well, it's good to see you again. Yes, you're quite welcome. We certainly couldn't leave you down there. I do hope you found something to eat. Are you um are you well fed now? Did you did you manage to uh, to to find something? Yes, I found f- some food. Ah, that's good. Maggie, why don't you give me a spot hidden roll? Certainly. Ooh, 18 against uh, 25. Hmm. Sometimes it does pay, I suppose, to not have high spot hidden. Anyway, <laughs> Guillaume's face, even though it's shrouded, you can tell. Um, maybe it's something you didn't notice before. Maybe it's something your brain refused to recognize. But he is mightily disfigured oh um in fact it's it's quite um disturbing the way the his nose is no longer a part of his body and there's there's something missing about his his face oh that's uh oh my you feel a twinge of terror rush through your muscles, grab hold of your shoulders. Why don't you make me a sanity roll? I could certainly understand why um, he would feel safer down there without people having to look at him. 83 against 69. So that will be two points of sanity I take from you this, this evening. Yes, as wonderful as it was f- freeing him, as as uh, strange as it might have been to find him down in the cavern, whatever he is, is most certainly not human. It may have been at one time, but it is not anymore. And Richard, as you're standing next to Maggie, having taken up the femur, your thumb and forefinger begin to feel indentations in it along a row of the bone here. Is this yours? Not any longer, Professor. Uh, okay. Richard just sort of puts it gingerly back in the uh, in the planter. Uh, please, uh, take this. He extends a, a rather weathered, dark-skinned hand out of this grate. And in it, there are two rings. Oh. My, my wife 
has long since passed. I have no need for them. But perhaps the two of you someday may. <laughs> Why, that's very thoughtful of you. Thank you. Yes, thank you, Guillaume. I, I wouldn't be displeased if we ran into you again sometime. I'm glad to see that you're doing okay, though. We are surviving. You hear another uh, series of shuffling and, and um, almost... It, it's, it sounds like there's a wild animal down there with him. Although it's, it's not so much making any animal sounds, but there's a great bit of shuffling. Hmm. You told me there wasn't anything down there. It's strange. Well, um, I, I suppose if you don't need anything else from us, uh, Guillaume, we should be on our, on our way. I, I do love the gift. Yes, it's, it's very nice. Thank you. Very thoughtful. He almost melds back into the shadows of the sewer. And when he does so, you can tell that while you saw his right hand and it held up the rings to, the, to you, in his left hand, he is cradling something. And his left hand is a little bit larger than his right, just a, just a little bit larger than his right. And you can tell that he's covering the mouth of something, a creature, a person. You're not entirely sure. You see it for the briefest of instants before the shadows swallow it whole. Hmm. Well, perhaps he's got himself a pet. Yes, a dog or something. That's yes, a small what, dog or yes. a cat. That's what some somebody would have on, uh, uh, yes, in Paris on uh, well, with them. If his wife is gone, he needs something to keep him company. Yes. Richard's not sure about this whole thing now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we should be getting back to that um, that uh, taxi before oh, uh, yes. before it goes. I don't want to keep them waiting too long. Let's yes, let's head back. You head back to the taxi. The driver has uh, during this time gotten out, had a smoke and uh, talked with a couple of other locals about the massive <laughs> fog problems. We're uh, awfully sorry for uh, keeping you all waiting. We did find Guillaume and, and checked in on him. He, he seems to have taken up residence in the sewers. The sewer? Lady Eve lifts both eyebrows. <laughs> is he Is he quite well? Well, he, he did seem... Uh, um, he was doing better. Yes. I mean, is it is it healthy to be living in the sewers? Well, oh well, I'm I'm not sure. He's he said it was safer down there. When in Paris. <laughs> yes. When in Paris, live in the sewer. Well, he, we didn't get to see him very well when we were in the um, catacombs, or now. But he he seems to have some facial def deformities. He did give us a, a gift to show his thanks. I hesitate to ask. Oh, um, no, it was, uh, his wife has passed away, and so he, well, he, he gifted us their rings. Well, that's very kind of him. So, he, he says, well, perhaps it is due to his deformity, perhaps he feels well, less vulnerable, um, down in, below the streets. Oh, that's what I thought as well, and maybe that's how he ended, he found himself trapped down in the catacombs. Oh, that would explain it. Oh, oh, uh, we also, uh, there was a human bone. Do we need to report that to the authorities or anything, do you think? Uh, I think it would be best not to. I'm, 
We'd be... uh, was the bone anywhere near your sewer friend? Um, no, it was above the sewer. It was in this, um, like a, like a planter. And that ain't gonna grow anything, you know. No, I'm, I'm sure it was that. just there. I'm, I'm sure it was just a coincidence. It's very strange. Well, we, we should be on our way, right? The driver gets back in. Uh, shall we continue? Yes, of course. Now, uh, where were we? Uh, off to again, madam? Uh, yes, uh, uh, Sherrington uh, Asylum. <laughs> the driver's eyes get big. Sherrington? Oh, don't worry. Yes, we're, we're just uh, visiting. We're doing some research there. The driver says to, to you, Miss uh, uh, Lady Elizabeth, he says, you take the American there? Yes. Hmm. She got out yesterday. Uh, 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 very good. <laughs> he puts the car into gear and continue off down the road. <laughs> so for the two of you who have not been to the asylum before, it is a rather foreboding place in its size and in its scope. It's a building that's set back far from the street. And there's a big yard in the front where um, you'd imagine that uh, any sort of uh, physical activities that uh, patients might engage in would be uh, would be done there. It's got a high wrought iron fence, um, probably on the, the order of uh, two and a half to three meters tall. It's uh, backed by stone and uh, it's got quite the feel to it. You can feel this place look back at you when you arrive. And the fog is doing nothing to soften its image. Sherrington is not just a an institution here in Paris that is set back a bit, but it's also very large. And you can tell that the halls of this place sweep left and sweep right. And so uh, you're just hoping that uh, you don't get lost. Across the street... When you arrive, you see Paul. Uh, he's got his hand clasped to his briefcase, and uh, he is uh, standing uh, next to the same light pole that you, uh, the three of you had uh, seen him there uh, after work hours last night. And he tips his hat to, uh, to you as uh, you get out of the car. Oh, good morning. Merci, monsieur. I do appreciate you coming on time. Yes, well, punctuality is a virtue. You can see that the uh, the guards that were strolling the grounds before when you were here yesterday, Lady Elizabeth, they are in their guardhouses. They seem to be reading the morning paper, having smokes. Maybe if you were uh, still eating a croissant and, and having their morning coffee. And Paul doesn't so much introduce himself to either of you, Mr. Fraser or Mr. Griffin, he begins um, swiftly marching towards the front gates. I take it this is the gentleman, uh, Paul, telling us about it, yes? Yes, quite. We should follow him. He certainly doesn't seem to stand on ceremony, does he? Yes, well, I've come to learn that ceremony is not exactly a French virtue. He gets to the front gate, and you see a worker, not a guard, come up to the front gate. And let and opens the gate for Paul. Looks, looks maybe like a maybe it's a groundskeeper. And then once he opens the front gate, the guards left or right look up, but when they see the groundskeeper open the gate, they go back to what they were doing. And the five of you get motioned forward from where you're standing. Well, in we go. 
Lady just sort of strides in. Well, strides more like very slowly and dignified. So Paul keeps the gate open for everyone. And uh, once everyone is inside, closes it shut. And then flips the lock, locking mechanism over. Uh, visiting us enough for another hour. Mr. Fraser, you notice Im- immediately that this man speaks with an English accent. He's not French. Sure. I'm also um, keeping my eyes very well peeled um, as we get out of the car and head through the gate. I am sizing up um, the uh, the two um, orderlies or guards um, that are at the gate as well. From your experience, these two gentlemen look like a pair of knuckle draggers. Mm-hmm. Um, they're most likely either former... You know, war combatants or maybe former gendarmes they're uh, they've got an air to them they're not really interested in, in any sort of uh, proper manners or making friends they're here to crack skulls if necessary you can tell by the the truncheons that they carry indeed yes I would imagine that there's uh, occasion for uh, for a little bit of uh, enforcement of uh, physical physical variety yes I imagine some of the patients can get a bit unruly you can imagine. Mm. Visiting hours are not for another hour, so if we're quick, I can get you in to see the doctor and you can continue your search for this Comte. Well, thank you, uh, Monsieur. Uh, I'm sorry, I don't I understand your name is Paul, but I, I didn't catch your surname. Ah, Maiderhaven. I see. And you are English, I take it, yes? Guilty. He smiles. <laughs> he walks forward. There's a very long walk to the main building. Uh, Mr. Griffith and Mr. Fraser will notice that it puts basically about 50 or so yards between the front gate and the front door. Um, there's quite a bit of space here. And it does kind of put you, it would normally expose you, but with the morning fog, uh, it almost cloaks you against uh, some of the other orderlies that are hanging around. And, uh, talking about the fog you can hear their voices ripple through the dead space between you and the sanitarium paul leads you in the front door and into the foyer and the halls beyond this is not the um, pinnacle of asylums Uh, you can tell here that the building has been in use for several hundred years and uh, likely served during the reign of terror and probably several hundred years before that. In fact, your clues specifically say that the Comte was brought here during the Reign of Terror and uh, supposedly locked up. And what you're searching for is a record of that uh, holding. You need to match up the clues from the Captain of the Guard's diary and what supposedly the records here should show. The walk to the office is... The doctor's office is relatively quick i'd say it's about five minutes up some stairs uh, and then on to the second floor there is um, a receiving office and then an administrative office before dr larose personal offices and so opens up the outer office and looks in and says and then turns back to the group of you and says uh, uh, do, do, do you all expect to go in there is that the plan well not not necessarily i i don't think um your ladyship? Uh, Miss Bellinger, Professor. 
This is, this part seems to be uh, your undertaking, does it not? Um, yes, I think that would be quite all right. Yes, I'm um, up to the desk. Do you think we should um, try and find the records on the, 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 the Comte before we uh, suggest anything a little more um, forward? Yes, I don't think we'd want to burn any bridges while there were still uh, information here to find out. Yes. Well, if that is the case, there are there is the record rooms we were in yesterday. And then there is the holding room that is in the basement. Now, most of the records have been brought up and have been corrected. Uh, but there are some which Dr. Ro moved to the basement. You're welcome to search there as well. Basements, wonderful. Yes. Everybody loves a good basement. Let's go then. We might get more um, more success in the basement. We've um, didn't seem to strike very lucky in the uh, in the record room upstairs. Yes. Very well. Um. Yeah. Real quick, Mike. I I might have missed it. Um. Is the do we know is is the box still there? The box we wanted. You would have to go in through the next office and into his outer office where his secretary sits. Okay. to see if the box is still there. Mm, I might just ask a favor of Paul then. Hmm. Um, Paul, uh, we were interested in possibly taking a look at what is in the the box um, next to the secretary's uh, desk. Um, we, we had seen it yesterday. I, I believe it um, holds your previous administrator's uh, research findings or notes? Yes. Um, they have any of his records there. Uh, his voice dips to a whisper. Mm-hmm. As we mentioned last night at dinner, um, if they're to be removed and they'd be on her desk, but I can't risk going in there and looking at them. I mean, it would be my job. Um. Yes. I was actually considering uh, that, Paul possibly um, myself and my companions here could, could consider employing your uh, services while we are here in Paris. It, I understand what you're driving at, uh, Miss Bellinger, but any letter the doctor might write about anything I might do would it would damage my long-term career. You understand? I, uh, I'm happy to lead you or any of your group to the records room, but if you're um, interested in getting a, a personal look at the files, you would be on your own reconnaissance, you understand. Yes, I I do understand. I, I wouldn't want to um, tarnish your reputation, though I do believe that some members of our party um, can write, write uh, quite good letters themselves. Um, might I suggest we... We do both things. Why don't um, some of us go to the basement and, and start having a, uh, having a look at the records there, see if we can find any reference to the Comte, and, and then perhaps we can um, have a conversation with the administrator, and uh, if there is anything to look at on the way, perhaps um, perhaps we could take a look. Well, that's. I think that would be a great idea, and um, Paul, if you were to lead some of our... Um, party downstairs, then you, of course, um, couldn't be held accountable for anything that we did while you were away. That seems reasonable to me. Who's with me, then? Well, I'm interested in the basement. <laughs> I'll accompany your, your ladyship, if, uh, if that would be uh, suitable for you. 
Yes, Mr. Fraser, I could use your assistance. Uh, Mr. Griffith, what task do you find yourself more suited for? Records or some spy work? Uh, I'm not going to go through the records. I can either stand watch, um, put some of these gorillas in their places, or uh, we can do some spy work, as you like to say. I like how you think, Mr. Griffith. Then I guess you're with us. Uh, I guess so. Um, can you be quiet, Miss Maggie? From time to time. <laughs> All right. Paul turns and begins leading Lady Elizabeth and Mr. Fraser towards the records room in the basement. Professor, where are you staying at? Are you staying here on this floor or are you going down to the records room? Richard really does want to have a look in the records room, but um, he's not going to leave Maggie alone trying to, <laughs> to talk to this administrator. Uh, and he really doesn't get on with this this French filing system. It uh, makes no sense to him at all. Fair enough. And so we will split the party again. So I'm going to start with Lady Elizabeth and Mr. Fraser. Uh, the walk down from the second floor to the first and then through some of the halls here at Charrington is, in a word, ghastly. Just for the distance, if not for some of the smells that come from this place. You've been a part of um, several encampments when necessary, Mr. Fraser, back during the war. And these lot could use a bit of cleaning up. Some of the patients here are uh, not only unkempt, but they are unattended. And uh, a few of them even wander the halls. Mr. Maverhaven, is it usual for... uh the patients to be in uh, in this state. No, it is not. We have had a uh, an outbreak here recently. Uh, several of the orderlies have taken sick, and uh, we are a bit short-staffed. So, uh, unfortunately, some of the patients who are normally docile and, and perfectly reasonable, yet still recovering, they, uh, they like to go and knock on doors and and. L- Join their friends, if uh, you don't mind me saying. Oh, I see. Really, it's uh, it's a little disconcerting. Well, uh, Doctor Leroux has uh, he's uh, impressed to the the staff that uh, there is going to be a uh, whirlwind of, of cleanup here. Uh, but uh, well, to be perfectly honest, sir, the uh, French government isn't interested in funding it very much longer, and so he is fighting. Um, tooth and nail for every uh, every frank he can get his hands on. I see. A good man, this uh, Leroux, did you say? Yeah, Leroux, yes. He's a... Uh, good. Um, I don't know, to be honest. He's um, a, a technocrat, if you take my meaning. I'm, I'm afraid I don't follow. Um, he's a, um, a... He's a man of um, blacks and whites. Uh, mm. Of numbers. And so he he concerns himself with uh, what should be done to make this more run more like a, a factory. And what of the patients? Uh, what is his attitude towards the patients? Surely they should be his priority here. Uh, he leaves most of that up to uh, up to uh, lesser doctors and uh, assistants. He's much more of a. Uh, hospital administrator than he is a uh, practicing doctor. I see, I see, I see. But um, it sounds like, from from what you've said, that it sounds like he does have the 
good interests of the patients at heart. Uh, am, I, am I picking this up wrong? No, I, I think that uh, it's fairly well uh, taken. Truly wants to see people recover. He, he's new. He's only been here two weeks. And so it's hard to get a good read on everything. I, yes, I understand his predecessor passed away in slightly unusual circumstances. Um, yes, he looks at Lady Elizabeth. As I discussed with Lady Elizabeth here last night over dinner, he did pass, unfortunately, uh, it appears, uh, as a victim of his own treatments. Or one of the devices they're in. His own... I'm sorry, I don't... He was treating himself. He steps into a hallway, and you see uh, a stairway coming up. Yeah, yes. Um, if he steps in, and once the two of you get in, he closes the door. And then takes a pretty wide look around. Dr. Deplace, he was working with electroshock therapy. And I found him attached to the machine. And it seemed that he, likely through no fault of his own, had had been turned on while he was uh, hold of it. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. He 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 had attached. What did you call it? Electroshock. Yes. Um, so to himself. It, yes. Why would he do such a thing? I don't know. And the the to be honest. With, with you both, I, I think the hospital's desperate to cover it up. They don't want it hitting the papers. They don't want the papers finding out that there were some, shall we say, uh, radical uh, therapies being used here by the former administrator. And that he may have died from those same radical therapies. And, and you're quite sure that there was nobody else involved in this, that he wasn't perhaps connected up to it against his own will. No, sir, I am not. I mean, it does seem... Why would... I mean, if he has, if he is using this as therapy for his patients, why would why would he strap it to himself? It doesn't make any sense to me. I'm, I'm sorry if I'm, if I'm... If I seem somewhat um, less than intelligent in this matter. No, but, uh, you're having all the same thoughts that I had that night when I found him. It made no sense. I had to go to uh, the breakers just on the far side of... Uh, the hall here and shut the machine down that way because he was so um he was he, he, had, he had both both of them both of the attenuators in his hand these prongs used and uh, and he was muscles were to seized completely I could not strip him away from the machine for the life of me uh, then to touch him to, you know with, without the use of a, a wooden pole or cane because I, I didn't want to be caught up in the current Aye, indeed, electricity is a is a powerful thing. I still haven't forgotten it. What what is your suspicion here? If you don't mind me asking, I mean, you you knew the man. I take it you worked with him. Yeah, yeah it was about six months. Six months I worked with him. You guys are moving down the stairs now into the basement. About six months we uh, we worked together, and I I think he had a vision of uh, treatment. That he was trying to pass on to, to me, to the, the field, and I think that in the end, he began to believe that he had a pathway to, to heal people, to access a re- method of recovery. And as wild as it sounds, I, th- I think he may have believed his own, um, 
vision too much. I think it took him. So you think that he had some experimental form of treatment and he was trying it out on himself rather than his patients? Or at least trying it out on uh, his patients and then himself afterwards. Uh, Have any of his patients been cured by this treatment of his? I think cure is a strong word. I don't personally like the word uh, when it comes to 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 this sort of thing to be honest I, I like I would say it's about a 50-50 situation but nobody else has been uh, affected by it in the same way that he was no no one and whatever he was whatever his aims were that night I don't think that they went as planned I'm tempted to say it's quite shocking but I'm going to resist that temptation. He opens the door with a key to another room. This room is mustier probably than the the two of you are used to. And there are several, um, there aren't even filing cabinets here. They're just bookshelves. And they're filled with what look like manila envelopes that are tied into packs. And you can see that there are writing on the bookshelves for the years. I suppose if you'd like to start your search, this would be the place to do it, milady. Lady Elizabeth is all but rubbing her hands together in glee. (laughs) I will leave the two of you there. Um, I assume that you're going to begin your search. That's a library use roll and a French roll as well. All right. Let's see. Library use is 75, so 58 under 75. That's a success. And my French uh, I will spend one point of luck to make the French a success. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, Mr. Fraser, are you going to help her with this search and all? I'm going to do whatever I can. I mean, I don't have her skills. Um, I have a little French. Uh, I have next to no library use. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fair enough. If you'd like to assist her with a library use, you can. It's really the only method of... Oh, I suppose you would probably have to make both rolls, but but uh, I'm fine with starting with just a library use okay. for now. Let's see what I can do. I mean, if nothing else, I can carry the books for her. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I have a library use of 20. And I rolled a 97. <laughs> All right, fair enough. You are um, helping... Quote unquote. Her search ah, through. I found something. This is the very thing you're looking for. <laughs> Paul, after he gets you um, situated, there's a very small desk in this records room. It's not very large. It's maybe um, five or so meters square. It's, it's not a very large room at all. He turns to the both of you and says, oh, Morning duties I must attend to. So uh, I shall be back momentarily. Uh, if, if you would, just keep the door shut. Of course. I'll look up from the pile of books that I've just dropped and I'm picking up. <laughs> I, you, uh, you, you, he steps out of the room, um, and when the door shuts, Mr. Fraser, um, it, it spooks you a bit, and uh, some more files go tumbling to the left. Oh, botheration. So back upstairs, Maggie, Mr. Griffith, and uh, the professor sit outside a couple of offices 
knowing that Dr. LaRose main administrative office waits a few rooms over, but their target is the secretary's office. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. So how will you go about this then? Hmm. I think we should ask um, the the secretary if we can see Dr. LaRue and um, maybe we can just take it from there. So we'll wing it as it were. Yes, we probably shouldn't assume that he wouldn't let us see what's in the box. Well, maybe we just need to get the secretary to um, go somewhere else for a short period of time. Mm. I mean, there are three of us and one of her. Yes, this is uh, this is one of those classic uh, permission or forgiveness scenarios. Why don't y'all just distract the secretary and I'll, I'll take the box out? I was... Rather hoping she might go and get us a coffee or something, and um... oh, uh, yes. I mean, it is customary to offer guests like a, a, a drink or water or coffee. Yes, sure, huh. they do that all the time at the best asylums. Just <laughs> <laughs> professional manners, I'm sure. Well, it's, yes, and if not, perhaps we can stage a distraction. Absolutely, I just go with the distraction. Seriously. Well, the coffee is a distraction, Mr. Griffith. Oh, my gosh. They're, they're not barbarians. Well. Have you smelled this place? Hmm. Yes, fair point. It's like a barracks. Well, let's uh, let's head in and, and we'll just, um, we'll just shoot from the hip. <laughs> Poor secretary is going to get murdered. <laughs> <laughs> Things get out of hand real fast. <laughs> oh, no, I've seen... You enter the uh, outer secretarial offices. Uh, so this in this administration portion is more of a six desk area where there are a series of filing cabinets and just a general office. Um, those of you, Maggie, especially somebody who's probably a little bit more uh, recognizable as far as this is more recognizable as more like a it feels like a newsroom floor. Almost you see type typewriters. They're all dead silent at this point because nobody's in yet. At the far end of the room there's a door which leads to his uh, personal offices and you can see that there are signs in French and and uh, nameplates up and so you walk to the end of that room. Now you you two Maggie and Richard have the uh, benefit of having been here yesterday so you know where you're going. Um you can tell from the windows on the left-hand side of this room, though, how high the fog is sitting outside, and it's actually covering up the bottom end of this window. So that fog seems to go up pretty high. It hasn't burned off from the uh, daylight just yet. Hmm. Hmm. This uh, fog seems somewhat uh, persistent. Uh, yes, it seems seems to just be settling in for the day. Uh, hopefully it'll burn off soon, though. Yes. You, you hear the distant click and clack of a typewriter going hmm. as you get closer and closer to this door. So is this the room with the box of records in? It is. This is also where Dr. LaRose's secretary sits, just outside of his office. So is she, can we actually see her, or is she, she inside the office at the minute? Uh, she is inside the office at the minute, but there the door is slightly ajar. So Richard will sort of look at Mr. Griffith and... Um, Sort of look down at the box of records and then sort of look at Maggie. <laughs> mm-hmm. Should we uh, announce ourselves? 
So the box of records is on the other side of the door, right? Like it is. So the box okay. of records, to be clear, the box of records are is in her office. It's sitting yeah. next to her desk. So yeah. So we got to go in. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I thought they were in this office, and this office was empty. <laughs> no, sir. Uh, okay. Oh, yeah. What like, fun would that be? Come on, come on, Mark. Sounded too easy. <laughs> yes. Well, let's um, head in, uh, and Maggie will just walk in. Oh, uh, good, taking the lead. Good morning. Did you see that? Oh, yes. Excuse older, me. Older, um, older, elderly—not elderly, but an older lady, blonde hair, fair skin. She uh, stops typing, and and you see her. Uh, stub out a, a cigarette she kind of blows the last breath of it out and you uh she she waves it away as if it's just it'll just go away in an instant uh, g- g- can i help you oh uh yes i'm uh, quite sorry to, to uh, come in unannounced um we were hoping to uh uh speak with dr laroe is it laroe yes laroe okay uh, mike could yes, I ask a quick question? You can. So I'm I'm trailing in behind them, keeping calm. I don't know if you want me to spend stealth now or not. And where's, where are the records in the room? You spied the box. It's at the far end of her secretarial office. It's nearest the door to LaRoe's office. Mm-hmm. So it's, is it essentially us, secretary, box, LaRoe's office? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, we were hoping to speak with Dr. LaRoe. Oh, I'm, I'm terribly sorry. The, doctor, the doctor's not in yet. Uh, he should be coming in. She looks uh, at the wall. Uh, just uh, any moment now. Oh, um, you were nice enough uh, to let us look through the the records yesterday, and, and we just had a, a couple of questions. We heard about the unfortunate incident here last week. We're quite sorry about that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What What incident? Um, the death of Dr. What's his faces? Yes, Dr. Del, Delplas, place. <laughs> Duplasis. Uh, yes, uh, the, the, the death of Dr. Duplas. Oh, yes. Uh, she looks down at the desk. Um, very unfortunate. Um, he was a, a doctor here for s- several years. Um, he, uh, he hired me, she points at herself. Oh. I'm sliding by the desk, Mike. Okay, so you're going to have to slide. Here's the difficulty about this. Before you roll anything, let me set this out so that way you understand. There is the secretary, okay? She faces the door that you guys came in. Yes. The box of files is by the doctor's office door to her left. Uh-huh. Okay. So if you attempt to slide past everybody towards his door there's literally no way you can make a stealth roll because you're you're walking directly in front of her vision we're in a small open room yes okay i'm no i understand i'm just trying to i'm I'm reaching out psychically to maggie (laughs) and to richard saying like occupy her attention yeah okay (laughs) Uh, Maggie is looks back at him and conveys with her eyes. Uh, I'm working on it. It takes longer than thirty seconds. And a hello, buddy. Uh, so just a whole bunch of bitches. Um, 
We're, we're, we're speaking proper American. It's to- totally going over Richard's head, right? Yes, yeah, but we're speaking American with our eyes, so he really doesn't understand it. That's how Amer- uh, all Americans speak with their eyes. Yes. Uh, Richard starts to cough. Okay. Uh, she looks at you. Uh, um, Are you all right? I, I'm af- afraid I suffer from um, acid indigestion. Um. Oh. <coughs> My, might I avail you of a, a glass of water? My, my apologies. Of course, of course. She stands uh, firmer up to attention and sweeps out of her room. There is a, there is a, a water right out here. She, she pats you a bit on the shoulder and, and kind of gestures back out into the larger office area. Oh, um, uh, could you show me? And Richard will sort of try and follow her and then put himself between any doors and her. Okay. Yeah, it's not far. She's only going like maybe six to eight paces. Yeah, there's a uh, not there's not a cart of refreshment, but there is a a, a faucet in the office where it looks like staff probably get water from. Oh, oh um, thank you. Do, do you have a a, a glass or a, a cup that I'm I might use? Yeah. Uh, yes. 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 She reaches uh, around the other side of the table and goes for a glass. Now, she is fairly distracted. <laughs> uh, thanks to Richard. So, uh, Mr. Griffith, you'd like to make a stealth roll? I'm going to push that roll. Oh, well, <laughs> I, I'm so glad you said that. So, oh why don't God. you tell me how you're going to push the roll before you push it? I am realizing that she can turn around any moment. I'm going to grab the records and instead of trying to leave the room with them I'm just going to flip them to the other side of the desk out of her eyesight and then mask them with my body standing in front of them I'm assuming this is not a big box correct? It's not a huge box but it's a fairly sized box. It's, it's like a copier paper box correct? Yeah it's probably a copier paper maybe a little bit larger than that. Right so I'm hoping to mask you know, enough of it with my body that they're not going to notice mm-hmm. and just get it out of the direct view. Cause I realized at this point, um, I tripped a little trying to go get it. I don't have the time to get out of the room. So I just, I'm going to move it to a more auspicious area out of her line of sight. Makes sense. Go ahead. Roll it. 39 under 60. Okay. As quick as you possibly can. Uh, reach down and move it to a place where once she even comes back in the room, you'll be able to mask it with your you know, size, your body size. You haven't gotten it out of the room yet, mm-hmm. but you have access to it in much better angles now. And she doesn't have direct line of sight to it. Not with you standing in front of it. And her desk is also in the way if she were to sit back down. Yeah, basically. Yep. yep. Uh, Martin, you get your drink of water. She uh, does her best to make sure that you're settled. Ah, yeah. Yes, that um, can can come on rather suddenly. Um, they say it's uh, oh, due to eating um the wrong kind of food, and oh, I I must admit, I I do eat rather a plain um diet. Um, back in London, we you know British that the food is rather bland compared to. Your, your fine French fare. Um, mm. it, I, I I have to tell you. Um, have you have you have you been to the Bristol? We we had an absolutely fantastic dinner there. 
but it, it was very rich and I, I I do fear that in the uh, the, the breakfast the I mean the many courses did did someone want to set this off again I'm afraid perhaps it's just back to um some some simple foods for me um, professor I get the feeling that you're trying to keep her attention is that true I think that would be fair to say. All right, why don't you make me a charm roll? Richard's not particularly charming. Well, I mean... Oh, don't sell yourself short there, Richard. He's good at persuading people, but he's not particularly charming. Um, I'm going to spend six points of luck, I think. That was 21 um, against a 15. All right. You hold her attention. And uh, Maggie and Simon, you can see that. It seems that... Uh, Richard's uh, keeping her at bay for the moment. Does it seem like I have enough time to get the box and sprint? <laughs> oh, um, you have enough time to get, get get the box. I mean, if you choose to sprint, then let, let me know. Okay, I'm, I will get the box and I will start ambling quietly, stealthily behind her back out of the rooms. I guess it depends on which way she's facing, right? It does. <laughs> Well, I'm, just, I'm not going to walk in front of her with the box, unless I'm carrying the box behind my back. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, uh, why don't you go ahead and make a stealth roll and see if you can get the box out of her office. I'm going to push that roll. <laughs> then I'm, I'm going to throw these dice away. <laughs> why don't you, so, you went and you picked up the box and you're moving out of the door. And you see, as you're moving out of the door, she's going to turn back her attention to her office, likely, because just in the natural course of her, you know, human senses, she's picked up there's some noise from there. So what will you be doing to counter her from uh, sensing what you're doing? I'm going to turn around sharply so my back is to her Mm -hmm. and I'm covering the box with my body. Okay. And... I'm going to set it down like I'm tying my shoe. Okay. 31 under 60. Mm, Okay. Uh, You set it down, tie your shoe using your size to cover the space of the box. She looks your direction. You can feel her look, but it doesn't stay for more than a moment. Maggie, you see that Simon has gotten the box out of her office. Mm Mm-hmm. Does it seem like he's just trying to get it into that other office, or um, is he trying to get it out, like out, out? It looks like his aim is to get it out of the offices. Okay. Um, Maggie will say, "Yes, Mr. Griffith. I don't think that all three of us need to need to wait here. Um, myself and Richard can handle that just fine. If you wanted to join the others um, down um, in the basement, looking through the old records, I think." It would be a waste of time for all three of us to be up here to give him like an excuse as like a reason why he's just walking out. Sure. Makes sense to me. Okay. Are you going to continue on your path, Mr. Griffin? Has she turned back around or is she staring at me at this point? No, she's looking at Maggie now because Maggie's talking. Okay. I'm going to slide down the hallway and hope for the best. Well, you're going (laughs) to, you're going to go out of this. You're going to attempt to get out of the, the outer offices first. Yes. 15 under 60. That's an uh, extreme. Okay. You make a very calm and even stride towards the door. And you go 
and reach for the door handle to get out. And the door opens for you. And an older, very clean-shaven, very well-dressed, spectacle-wearing man steps into the, the doorway area. And as the two of you get closer and closer, uh, he stops. And he says, oh, pardon me? And he steps to the side to let you exit. Merci, monsieur. And then he steps inside. Maggie and Richard see Dr. Leroux walk into the main office, having just let Simon walk out the door. <laughs> oh, you must be Dr. Leroux. It's uh, very nice to, to meet you. Good morning, mademoiselle. He looks at Richard as he's kind of still a bit doubled over and probably recovering. Where did we already meet him? Uh, bonjour. <laughs> um, uh, a, a, a spot of indigestion. Mm, sorry to hear that. Uh, perhaps one of the attending physicians could assist you. Oh, um, uh, it's a, a long-running problem, but um, I thank you for the offer. Uh, very well. Um, what uh, can I assist the two of you with? We'd certainly appreciate you letting us use the facilities um, for some um, research. We had the pleasure of having Paul help us in the, the records um, yesterday and today as well. Uh, yes. Yes, the poor young man does seem somewhat out of sorts. Um, what with all the... Um unpleasantness that we read about in the newspapers about the passing of Dr. Del Plas. It does seem to have sh sh shaken him up a little. Um, I, I suppose it would do, being it's, uh, as, it, as it's his first job and uh, and all that, and uh, his, his first uh, steps into a, a career in medicine, and uh, and then this unfortunate incident occurred. Most, mm. most unsettling. I see you've had some time to discuss the matter with him well only briefly you understand but um yeah the the, the, the young man seems a yes a, a little out of uh, out of step have you been satisfied with his performance here he gives you a strange look i i apologize uh, mademoiselle i do not see as to where my opinion on his work is of any concern and what did the two of you say you are here to do other than look through the records? Did you not find what you were looking for yesterday? No, I believe our um, our subject is uh, it was um, some while ago I, I, I think his, his records are probably buried somewhere at the uh, at the bottom of a pile um, yes Perhaps you've heard of uh, the subject of our research one uh, Comte Fenelic Comte Fenelic no, I've I've never heard of such a man Hmm. Yes, quite an obscure time in history he's from. Obscure, hmm? When was this? Oh, why don't you tell him about it, Richard? <laughs> I can't remember either, I'm afraid. <laughs> well, it's during the Reign of Terror. I'm oh, yeah. <laughs> I know, we've even talked about the Reign of Terror today. Oh, um, during the, the Reign of Terror. Um, dreadful stuff, you see. Perhaps a bit obscure to... Americans and maybe even the English, but I would not call uh, such a bloody part of French history obscure. Um. Uh, yes. Uh, you're you're 
almost certainly right. Hmm. Now, unless there was anything else I have work to do. Um, well, yes, actually, we were, I must say, quite uh, taken with the young Paul's um, performance when he was helping us, and, and he, um, I'm, I'm just worried that this is not the uh, best environment for him after his previous, uh, the previous administrator's uh, passing, and uh, we were actually curious about his uh, contract and uh, the possibility of buying it out. He looks astonished. Buying him out? Well, the way he explained it to us um, is that he's getting, he's working here for money for his education. We have an agreement with a college in London that Paul was a part of. Uh, it is obviously the situation here and uh, this uh, asylum is uh, under great need and we uh, secured his pre-graduate work as uh, a necessity. It's the work we need. It's the people to do the work. Uh, the I, I'm sorry to say that the French populace is not as always as interested in funding um, the recovery of uh, or the containment of uh, those who have the maladies of the mind. Well, I don't believe that that is uh, an issue that is unique to the French. Quite right. And so when you say um, purchase his contract out, I don't know. Uh, he he has more than a uh, hundred pounds sterling to work before he can be let out. Well, it's a lot, an awful lot of money. He reminds me of somebody I I used to know, and it um, would be a very generous thing for you to uh, uh, consider his uh, struggle for the right words. Yes, I mean he he seems like uh, a man with a promising career. I believe he could do with a, a little break, a rest from his his, his current undertakings. Um, given the, uh, the stress and the trauma of uh, the passing of Doctor Delplas, and uh, it would be um, very gracious of you to allow us to um, settle that contract and, uh, and maybe give the the poor young man a, a break. I think, given given your your tactic here. Uh, professor, I think you are going to have to lie through your teeth <laughs> to get that to happen. <laughs> I think you are being fairly persuasive. He's trying. I wouldn't... Yeah. <laughs> I feel like a, a persuade is reasonable enough. Okay, yeah. Come on, dice. Ooh, 33. That's uh, a normal success. Very well. Um, while I would be... Uh, I would be disappointed... To uh, to lose his work if you were to pay the sum of his contract plus a ten uh, percent release fee, I would be happy to allow it to happen. Um, and um, I mean, he may well decide that uh, given a little um, time to recover, to convalesce, um, and uh, of course. Uh, yeah, mental injuries are, are clearly important. I mean, a man of your uh, position must uh, must surely appreciate that. Um, he he may 
elect in due course to return and uh, uh, complete the remainder of his services. But it it should be, I think, um, up to him to decide that. And uh, this would also be, of course, on the the understanding. I can see you're a gentleman that uh, you would, of course, write him a, a glowing reference for the work that he has done to date. Yeah, that's another persuade rule. 34 under 50. Please um, understand that I I don't mean him any personal um, harm. He he did fine work when he was here, as for the several weeks that I have seen him work. I would be happy to write him a recommendation and send it back to his college. Oh, I thank you. That is um, most most gracious. Uh, Maggie? Yes, I I do believe so. That's quite quite gracious of you. Very well. Then perhaps you would care to uh, step into my office and uh, we can complete this. Yes, yes. Um, of course. You two step away into the doctor's office. Back down in the basement, the records room reveals all sorts of things, Mr. Fraser. Mostly what it reveals is that these stones, this this room could deal with a good scrubbing. Even picking these file folders off the floor, you're realizing that it's, it's got to have been weeks before someone's been down here. Oh, yes. I'm, I'm, I'm picking things up very delicately with a, my thumb and index finger, holding them at arm's length away from my nose. Unfortunately, it's not even enough to uh, keep some of the... Um, some of the worst of it from getting under your nails. You know that you'll be cleaning them uh, at first first moment that you have. Although, it is somewhat productive. And so, probably around the fourth or fifth folder that you fully look through, uh, and certainly not the one Mr. Fraser handed you, Lady Elizabeth, um, not even the right era. So that's a, a recipe book, I think, I've heard <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. Uh, it's a wonderful stews that you found, although nothing to do with the, um, the Comte. Lady Elizabeth, you do come across a a record of Comte Fenelique being admitted here. It's a very short record, but it does give you an accurate year, which matches up with the information that you already have. And so you know for certain now that Fenelik was here. He was definitely here, Fraser. And I just waved the file at him. Oh, you found something, your ladyship. Well done. I don't seem to be having any joy here at all. Yes, well, I know you're uh, not as much into the library sort of thing, especially in French. Uh, so... I have a smattering, but uh, no, no, indeed. Um, research of this nature is, is really not my forte. Well, that's why I, I, why I'm here, and I've found this record here. He was definitely admitted at the time we believed him to be admitted here. Uh, but there's not a whole lot of other information. I'll have to keep looking. I, I, we'll see if we can find out what became of him. Yes, it's uh, quite unlikely he had a very good experience. Just sort of looking around and delicately sniffing. But uh, I would like to know if he left or if he uh, stayed. 
If you catch my drift, Mr. Fraser. I do indeed. I do indeed, your ladyship. Yes, yes. As you continue to look through the files here, you notice that the somewhat amber-colored light bulb that's in the room here which seems to flicker a bit. And it does it both visually and, and auditorily. Uh, so the flickers, the tapping that happens when that electrical current runs through the filament, uh, it seems to tap out two or three different times. Comes back on, goes off momentarily, comes back on again, and then stays on. And you can't help, Mr. Fraser, you can't help but look back at that light and watch it flicker back and forth. Did you see that, your ladyship? There seems to be some electrical fluctuation. Very strange fluctuation. I am put in mind in, of what uh, uh, Mr. Maverhaven spoke about uh, the passing of uh, Dr. Delplace and his manner of, of departure from this mortal coil. Maybe his ghost is down here trying to tell us something through the light bulbs. Uh, no, you're funning me, your ladyship. <laughs> yes. Still, I do wonder, though. Uh, this experimental treatment he spoke of, and then... It's all very peculiar. I can't, I can't help but think there's more to it than meets the eye. Yes, well, hopefully the others have managed to get a hold of those records. I oh, fingers crossed. I hope they haven't... Uh, encountered any uh, any trouble in that respect. Well, I wouldn't put it past them to grab the box, run, and set fire to the building on their way out, but let's hope it's not that. Well, indeed, no. We're with us trapped in the basement. I certainly do not. <laughs> Why don't you both make these spot hidden rolls? Okay. Playing to my strengths tonight. 49 under 53. Okay. Fifty-five under seventy-four. Lady Elizabeth, you notice it first, but Mister Fraser's close behind. There seems to be a, a bit of, I don't know, is it fog coming from under the door? It's seeping down into here, and it seeps. Definitely fog, not smoke. Yes. Yeah. No, it doesn't roll like smoke. It's definitely fog, but it's coming in through under the door, and. Uh, and through the cracks on the sides of the door as well. Can I make a natural world roll or something along those lines to see if, if this is an unnatural thing? That it's, I mean, it seems to me to be an unnatural thing. But, uh, just to see if, if this is something that shouldn't be happening. Sure, go ahead. I don't have much in the way of it, but... But I did roll a zero nine. Is needed against uh, 23. You've seen many of things in your day. You've never seen fog roll through a door in a basement. Your leadership, I think. I think we should leave this place right now. What is it? I don't know, but it's not natural. There's something going on here. I think we should uh, m meet up with the others, and uh, something is going on here, and I don't like it. Now, Mr. Fraser, you remember that door is shut. So it's not open in the slightest. It'll have to be open before the two of you can get out. Does the fog have any sort of, of smell or feel or anything? No, the temperature has definitely dropped in this room, though. Okay. 
I am going to reach for the small sidearm that I brought with me mm-hmm. for protection. I haven't uh, brought my uh, my rifle with me because that's a, a little bit un- unwieldy. Um, but yes, I do have a small pistol uh, with me, and uh, I take it out of my my pocket, and I will very carefully open the door. Uh, you know, you should just stand back for a minute, just in case there's anything out here. If it's coming out from under the door, then we may encounter considerably more of it on the other side. I'm going to take my handkerchief uh, out of my pocket and hold it over my nose and mouth just in case. Okay. Good idea. Just Fraser, you walk over to the door. It's probably three or so paces to the door, and you reach out with a hand to the knob, still firmly pistol in hand to be sure, and uh, you open the door. And when you open the door, Lady Elizabeth, you feel a hand caress your face. It's a male hand. You can tell from the the shape and the size. And while you don't see the hand, it reaches under the handkerchief and almost cups your chin in a very um, paternal way. At the door, a column of fog that spills into the room. All over you, all over the floor, Mr. Fraser feels like being covered in feathers for a moment i mean i'll try and try and step back um i, I was i was intending to just open the door a crack and then open it a bit further out so if i see it's spilling out the way i'll kind of try and step back out of the way and if i can't avoid yeah. it then so be it Quite i let out a startled scream at the feeling of a hand on my face your ladyship something moves at the doorway mr fraser something touched who's out there make yourself shown you hear the tapping of heels, like boots, in the hallway. There's someone out there moving. Speak! I have a, a pistol in my hand. If I put my hand up to my face, can I feel anything there? You reach up and you feel almost the after-impressions of the physical form that was there. You hear in your ear, in a language you'd not heard spoken, except in your own classes the Latin classes you took as a child. What a beautiful gem you are. Ooh. Mr. Fraser? There's somebody out here. Someone is in here. We need to go. Aye, aye. Can I try and peer through this fog to see if I can see what is what is here? Yeah, you'll have to step a little closer because of the thickness of the fog, but if you, you can make a hard spot hidden roll if you'd like to see through it. Stay behind me, your ladyship. That's an 18. So that's an extreme spot hidden, I think. Yep. Um, so you peer, you use that hawk-like vision you have, and you peer through the fog into the hallway, which is clotted with this low-lying and somewhat high, high-lying as well fog, which is filled the corridor almost. It's, although it's not super thick, it's not like a smoke, uh, it is definitely obscuring your vision. And you see a man standing not but ten feet from the door. He is dressed in the finery that the French might wear hundreds of years ago. And he looks directly at you. And when he does, your body hurls from the position that it's in, out into the hallway. And you collide with 
the stone walls of the basement. And so, Mr. Frazier, you're going to take six points of damage. Oh my goodness. At the same time, Lady Elizabeth, that you you see... No, there's no resistance to it. At the same time, you see an image appear in front of you of French gentleman with a powdered wig and all. His uh, face is a an older man, maybe in his mid-fifties. He is beautiful in a way, and yet terrifying in another. His eyes rim with the tones of blood orange. And he repeats his line from the Latin previously of what a gem you are, but he repeats it in flawless French and then evaporates into the fog. And now you make a sanity roll. Yeah, I was gonna say. (laughs) Nope. 88 over 68. So, you're gonna lose four sanity. Oof. No sanity roll for me? Uh, Yeah, take one. Why not? (laughs) Why did you ask that? Because I'm a masochist. Alrighty, yeah, what's my cat sanity? <laughs> Not great. Uh, oh, that's a zero two. I am. Um... Oh, you've passed. Um, so I will take a point of sanity from you. Um, I can, I can do that. And and with this clattering, this mess in the hall that you you've fallen into, Mister Fraser, you you hurry to recover your feet as the fog which held up this hallway evaporates into the stonework around you. It just burns away. I will struggle to my feet and run back over to Lady Elizabeth. Your ladyship, are you all right? She's just sort of looking at you, wide-eyed, pale, hands shaking. Mr. Fraser, I do think you're going to have to agree with me about ghosts from here on out the hell was that? I believe it was Monsieur Le Comte. Uh, let's get out of here. Oh, yes. Mr. Griffin, you arrive. You begin coming down the stairs at this point, if you're searching for them. What's all this fog down here? Who's that? Oh, it's you. Mr. Griffith, we need to leave immediately. Do you got your book, your paperwork here? Did you grab some files? I've grabbed the papers that reference the Comte and I shove them into my bodice. <laughs> you can see that uh, Mr. Griffith has a box in his hand. Um, I got the box. Uh, I don't know what's in it and I almost shit my britches getting it. So let's get out of here. Yes. Out is is best. Now, quickly, please. Yes, come Mr. Fraser, your arm, please. Yes, of course, your ladyship. Take my arm. Wait, Lady E, you look like you've seen a ghost. Yes, quite. Let's just go. We'll explain later, come on. You will probably notice that Mr. Fraser has got a gun in his hand as well. Uh, You might want to put that away. The gorillas at the gate might not be appreciative. Yes, I, I. The three of you get back upstairs onto the main floor after a a bit of soreness and difficulty from walking from you, Mr. Fraser. But uh, your shoulder and uh, that right hip took a a pounding against the wall. You encounter Paul. 
he's in the hallway talking with a patient and he looks over at the three of you with a fairly worried look in his eye. Um, he, he seems to settle the patient for a moment and then steps over. Uh, is, is everything all right? You are... well, let's say the situation is a little foggy. I'm checking to see if he reacts to that at all. No, he doesn't. Okay. It's time we were going. I think we have what we came for. Very well. Uh, I uh, haven't seen uh, the, your professor friend and and, uh, and uh, Maggie yet, but uh, I assume they're speaking with the doctor. He seems to <sighs> grip his hands a bit. He's wringing his, his hands, sweaty as they are. Kind of look over and say, Simon, I thought you were looking after them. I, I kind of had to get out of there. It was awkward. Ma Miss Maggie said she was fine. Paul looks down at the box you have under your arm. Uh, is that... I don't want to know. I don't want to know. He turns around. I think the three of us should exit stage left so that we're not here with that. And also, Mr. Fraser needs some attention. I'm, I'm, we can I'm, have the others follow us. I'm fine, your ladyship. Simon, give me that box over. You, you go and get the others. We've got to go. We really should go. It's All right, I hand, the I hand the box over. Paul, can you... Uh, let's head back to the doctor's office. I, th I think we need to head out. Would you like to come with us? Can you leave a little early today? I, uh, I'm i scheduled to be here all day. Um, he looks at you, Mr. Fraser. Uh, would you like me to look at that? I, I uh, could maybe assist. I, I, I'm, I'm fine. Thank you. Thank you all the same. So I'm fine. Um, so cut back to yeah, Dr. LaRue's office. And uh, he's now having a smoke and uh, offering you coffee as you uh, settle up the bill, as it were. Cash or check? Oh, um, I think we can pay cash. Um, yes, I think cash would be most agreeable. So, Richard, you go into your suitcase of money. <laughs> pull out, you know, the required amounts. And uh, it, it isn't lost on Doc LaRue that uh, you have a whole lot of money with you. Because it's it's difficult to hide in there. Uh, Maggie would like to cover some of it as well. Okay. So like, oh, okay, oh, fair enough. Mm. <laughs> like, no, don't worry, Richard. I can I can cover some of it as well. Uh, okay. Richard shoves a wad of cash back in the briefcase. <laughs> so you just have a wad of cash, and I have a wad of cash. Because <laughs> um, my spending level is fifty dollars. Sure. And my cash is three hundred, but. I probably only have 50 on me. You probably only have 50 on you, yeah. Yeah. Uh, whereas Richard has 10,000. <laughs> pounds. 10,000 pounds in that suitcase. So some of it's in pounds, some of it's in US dollars. He looks at the two different types of money and just stuffs them in his pocket. Um, yeah. Very well. He, uh, he takes out a bit of paperwork it looks like he mm -hmm. takes out an employee file and then writes something on it in French he says uh, I will uh, officially uh, end his employment here in good standing he takes a stamp out and stamps the file mm -hmm. and uh, I shall send the letter of recommendation uh, to his college shortly ah, thank you much much obliged well I uh, I do have some duties to attend to but uh I hope that you were able to find what you needed. 
Well, yes, um, I, I hope my, uh, my colleagues did indeed. And um, we'll let Paul know, and um, he, as I say, he may, uh, may choose to return later, but uh, um, a little break for him, I think. I wish I was as uh, I wish I was fortunate enough to have uh, friends such as you, Professor, who would uh, who would have uh, seen me through my my trials. But no matter, no matter. We all have a different uh, road. We do indeed. And uh, well, thank you again for your time. Indeed, he nods to you, and then he gives you a a pleasant bow. A bit, uh, Maggie. Uh, yes, Maggie will do like a half curtsy formalities I'm hoping Paul's not mad at us but hopefully he um, you know believes us that they're going to write him a good letter Simon you return to the upper part of the office building there um, the secretarial desks are beginning to fill up in the morning but you just kind of march past them into uh, the personal secretary's office and that's where you meet Maggie and Richard who are coming out of the doctor's office oh. Miss Maggie, Professor are y'all ready? Uh, yes. Our business has been attended to. Yes. Yes, let's go. Is Paul uh, with me still? Uh, yes, Paul's with you. Paul, we have some news for you. Um, we have, uh, discussed your standing with, uh, Dr. LaRoe, and he has agreed to have us, uh, buy out your contract and provide you with a strong letter of recommendation based on your excellent work while you were here. Paul gives you a stunned look. His mouth slowly opens. That's uh, that's unbelievable. I, I, oh, well, he straightens up a bit. I'm, I'm astonished. The door is open if you want to come back here and uh, do further work in the future, although, and Richard looks around, it, if you really want to, I'm sure they'd have you back. Hmm. Yes, I. I think I'll. Uh, I think I'll pass. Yes. For for now, I, I'd. Uh, I'd like to continue my studies. Maybe uh, make the take the summer and and I don't know. A class won't start up till the fall, so uh, maybe some relaxation. I think that would be a splendid idea. Um, well, I, I do believe we should be making our, our way out of here. Oh, very well. Um, Did you have anything that you need to gather, Paul, while you're leaving? Not a single thing. He turns oh, around. Okay. Uh, Miss Maggie? Yes. We gotta go. Yep. I'm right behind you. Actually, I'm gonna make sure you go in front. I'm right in front of you. Good. Let's be, get, let's be getting off, then. Does Richard sense anything slightly, uh, uh what's the word? Yes, um, you do. Yes. <laughs> well, we're all, and, and Maggie's only sense is, well, we gotta get this box past the car. Yes. You, you notice I don't have the box. Oh, you don't have the box. Oh, okay. Mr. Griffith, did you lose something? Just you two. Now let's get moving. Okay. The three of you meet up with uh, Lady Elizabeth and Mr. Fraser, uh, who... He's probably still favoring his right leg a little bit. Yes, I'm a little bit stiff and sore. I, I believe we are all, including Mr. Paul here, heading to the Bristol. I believe we need to um, have a talk, and we've got some stuff to go through, right? Yes, let's uh, let's head out. Uh, the five of you, six of you with Paul now, uh, leave 
Sherrington. And uh, later that day, Paul does not go to the Bristol with you. Um, so Paul, Bye, Paul lets you know that he has a flat here in Paris and that, oh. again, he would be happy to look at your maladies if necessary, uh, Mr. Fraser. I think once once yeah, once we get um, uh, out of the, the hospital grounds, then I'll feel a bit more comfortable about letting him have a look at me. Uh, so just on a cursory examination. Oh, well, Paul's an excellent doctor. Um, so uh, Paul um, goes into his case a bit and uh, takes out a few medical items and uh, gets you back a hit point. Thank you very much. I think I'll take these I'm, and uh, mind your drinking. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't think it's cr- well. Maybe it's cracked, but um, just if you could, he kind of shows you. Uh, just maybe favor this side a little bit, but not too much. And um, oh, here, um, keep this bottle with you. Uh, take a dose twice a day for maybe a week. I'm sure you'll be right as rain. Uh, oh hi, yes, thank you very much. Much appreciated. Uh, it's been wonderful. Uh, thank you again so much. Yeah, I, I, I'm I'm still flabbergasted. I don't I don't know what to say. Well, no one should be stuck in such working circumstances. So you'll be a better doctor for it, I think. Yes, uh, I I think sometimes in life you just try to help the people you can where you're at. Exactly, and you know you're more likely to stay alive outside of that place. Probably true. I can't say I'll miss seeing those, uh, well, the orderlies every day. Yes, it's much healthier for you, and they'll just have to find someone else to put their ire upon, I suppose. Knowing them, they will. Or on each other. That's the best possible outcome. Again, he tips his hat to you all. Good luck in your travels. Uh, Yes, well, thank you for your uh, assistance. The least I could do. The five of you return to the Bristol. The fog of the morning has lifted. It's not even on the streets of Paris by the time you exit. Uh, In the box, there are a ton of different files from the doctor. Uh, But one of them is definitely standout-ish. The journal entry of the doctor has certain excerpts. Now, some of them apply to uh, what you're doing and some of them don't. And so this is... Handout here explains the entries which are specific to what you're looking for and given that there are four entries could i have four volunteer readers a dismaying event last night a male nurse one gimar of fourth ward entered the cellars without authorization and there after suffering a painful wound in his right arm collapsed another nurse investigated uh, gimart's absence and after some time discovered gimart on the floor in severe shock, treatment was prompt and efficacious, but upon regaining consciousness this morning, Kimart began raving to me about being attacked by a dead man. For the moment, I have placed him in room 13 and notified his landlady of his indisposition. Alas, with Kimart was another man, one unknown to this institution, and in tragic physical condition, many grave questions must be answered. I began to question Guimard about the stranger. Is he a patient? What is his name? How long had Guimard kept him down there? Had Guimard kept a stranger there for a long time? Long enough that the mortars sealing the room had cured to such condition? 
Had he given him nourishment? How had he survived? I am moving the stranger to my private wing, for the moment treating the man as an inconsequential derelict, until more evidence is found. Even in a fresh bed, the stranger's appearance is horrifying. Given small amounts of broth, he merely regurgitates it. He takes no nourishment, yet lives in a catatonic state. Would electroshock revive him? After several applications, the stranger woke, but so weakened that he could not move. He whined and begged in different and very old forms of Greek and Latin, tales of cities crumbling and of other darker things. What a mystery man. It is almost easier to think we have tapped some form of group mind or racial memory. Those are readings from the journal of the doctor. And that is where we'll leave this episode to a close. So thank you so much for joining us, and we look forward to having your ears next time. Mm-hmm.